0: Welcome to the Discovery Doc Podcast, where we advocate for optimal wellness and reducing everyday toxic loads, no matter where life takes you. I'm Dr. Cece, doctor in nursing practice, self-proclaimed toxin tamer,
1: and a crunchy mama. I'm Anna Kate, a medical mystery overachiever and your discovery liaison. Join us on this exciting journey as we explore the world of holistic health, cutting-edge research, and practical solutions for a healthier life. Together, we'll navigate through the complexities of wellness, sharing valuable insights, and expert advice.
0: Tune in to the Discovery Doc Podcast. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and discover a whole new way of looking at your health.
1: Welcome back to the Discovery Doc Podcast. I'm here with your host,
0: Dr. CC, functional medicine nurse practitioner, self reclaimed toxin tamer, and mama, crunchy mama of lots of little nuggets, and my co-host over here,
1: I'm Anna Kate, your medical mystery overachiever and discovery liaison. And we are back with part two, with the Courtney Campbell, the (laughs) the Courtney Campbell, the anti-cancer mom. And so we did promise you in our last episode, um, why to tell you why she is so busy and all the things that she does. So we're gonna dive into that in a minute, but I do have a question for Miss Courtney, what is in your cup? What's in your morning beverage? That of choice that you just make it this way. And it's what's your day? Oh, thing? gosh. So
2: I drink every morning, a matcha Senka green tea blend with stevia at 139 degrees temperature.
1: Can I have some what <laughs> I was the- just
2: talking about this. I got I got one of those temperature control mugs for Christmas. <laughs> and um, it you can place it on the exact temperature and I like 139 degrees.
1: Wow. So how specific yeah, some, that's no be for discovery, silly, not trivia it but is courtney campbell's preferred beverage temperature.
0: <laughs> I, but
2: I i i'm like a green tea addict like some people love their coffee i love my green tea so i oh, yeah. love it i drink and you know honestly i drink organic green tea from from costco nothing fancy no fancy uh-huh. company or anything it's just um maybe like at least at least two cups a day maybe i need
0: to days. be in on all these fancy drinks my really our front desk mm-hmm. um staff she comes every morning with like this fancy beautiful thing and like this glass mug with this glass straw and i'm like can you make me some because mine <laughs> is just water with electrolytes guys
1: can we think we can need oh that's good
0: yeah. that's fancy i well lately it's been celery juice i've been on a celery juice kick in the morning Ooh, yeah. yes i do
2: i do me some too
0: and little it just feels shot. Good. Yeah, it just feels good. So if y'all didn't listen to part one of our talk with Courtney, Courtney is just this amazing healthy living enthusiast. She's a 15-year holistic cancer survivor. I'm going to have her give you the absolute cliff notes of kind of her, her story, but really go back and listen to episode one. Um, we talk so much in great detail about just can- holistic living in general, as well as her journey through cancer. But Courtney, I'm going to give you the floor for a minute before we switch into all things pregnancy and and mommyhood related.
2: Yeah. So um, in 2008, I was diagnosed with nodular lymphocyte predominant Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's a a slower progressing cancer. And because of that, uh, we chose to forego chemotherapy and radiation, which was recommended, and pursue a holistic dietary nutritional uh, detoxification approach um, uh, for three months. And so I gave it a three month, like went hardcore into it. I'm going to, he, my cancer is going to heal. Um, our decision was primarily, um, it was just like a God directed decision. Um, my husband was prompted that the chemo and the radiation was not for us. And we were going to move on to other things. We didn't know what at the time, and it ended up being the holistic, um, dietary nutritional changes. Um, I went into it for three months, uh, was doing really well at the three month mark. So we kept on going. And um, within the fourth month after I started my treatment, I found out I was pregnant and um, went on to give birth to my daughter in November of that year, uh, unmedicated birth. And that's my story. My cancer, oh, found out I was cancer free at my the six-month, six month mark after I stopped, um, after I started my holistic therapies and um, is considered in spontaneous remission by the medical community because they cannot um, they cannot say I healed with with what I did but I was spontaneously my, my cancer spontaneously went away
0: It's such a coincidence <laughs> that your cancer went away yeah. That's the word they like to use. It's like, wow, what a coincidence. Like, no, right. like this is hard-earned work that I put in and research and, you know, nutrition right. and everything. Yes, that's wild that they use those, mm. those terminologies. But, okay, so speaking of you getting pregnant, at especially then, and then kind of fast forward to other pregnancies, was there ever like a little bit of fear or anything going through your brain, especially the first pregnancy, you know, talk us through what what were you going through? Yeah, for sure. Um,
2: I was not in remission when I found out I was pregnant. I mean, we were on the, we knew we were on the right track because, um, I had, uh, I had swollen lymph nodes, cancer involvement in my armpit in my neck and in my rib cage along just just below my armpit there. Um, and, um while we were we had the this this one was an egg-sized tumor it was removed for biopsy that's how we found out what we I had um this one was about a walnut size and um while I was going while I was healing while I was eating what I needed to and doing what I needed to this gradually reduced and went away and it's been gone for 15 years so um it wasn't for another 5 years that we actually we never got a follow-up scan because I was pregnant at that time mm-hmm. um but um, and then, of course, I, I mentioned this in my last interview, we just didn't do a follow up scan because I was doing so well and I was just like, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing, whether, what you know, anyway, we, we didn't figure there was anything. Even my oncologist said, if this is reduced, you're probably not having new occurrences pop up anywhere else based on the behavior of your cancer. So, um, yeah, um, I think I answered your question. We just, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, did I? <laughs> Well, what was, I mean, mentally, where were you at? Like, were you fearful? Was I scared? That's what you asked
2: me. I knew I didn't get to it. I knew I didn't get to it. We're here to
0: remind you. It's yeah.
2: Of course. Of course I was. I mean, I I had, like, well, I just mentioned all that stuff I just mentioned, but uh, when I found out I was pregnant, it was definitely a, uh, what are we going to do now? And and crazy enough, my oncologist, my first oncologist, we left. That was the one who told us, you're going to need to do all this treatment and um i don't have any experience with natural stuff he was very much like no he was not the right fit their second oncologist was rem- was recommended to us by a holistic doctor that we started kind of seeing for some t- as a touch point she was a supportive touch point for us um, and she recommended this other oncologist that she told us was kind of more open to watch and wait approaches and so i we emailed him my medical records and, and um uh, we actually didn't switch to him until, I think it was around Christmas time. So it was two months after my diagnosis or yeah, about two months. And um, and he said, you know, I think that you have, he was the one we had already not, we had already chosen to go the holistic route, um, but he was the one to tell us, I think that you're, you're, you know, this is a reasonable track for you to just really monitor carefully. And crazy enough, a month or two months later, we had, we saw him, I think like every three weeks we saw him just to like touch point with blood work and monitor. And he felt my, he felt everything kind of did a physical exam. Um, he, and he said, uh, I, when I found out I was pregnant, we, we called him and we, you know, he talked to us directly. He's like, you know, my wife is actually an OBGYN. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Lord, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt I felt real comforted by that. And so he said, I'm gonna go home tonight. I'm gonna talk to her. And so he he, I guess he went on and talked to her and and she said, you know, I think as, what she's doing, as long as she's, you know, with this type of cancer and the way it behaves, I think she's gonna be okay. She'll, you know, I, I don't even remember what the conversation went like, but it was just nice to have that reassurance from her too. I've yeah. never been. Um yeah, and so that was reassuring to me. And I just knew I was just gonna do my best and keep going. That when I had yeah. morning sickness, I had it for about six, seven weeks. That was really challenging because I could not eat the things that I was eating. I mentioned in my last in our last interview, the um our last part one, um, about like the green smooth the vegetable smoothies and the juices and the 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 Scottish cheese flaxseed oil mixture. It's called the Budwick Protocol from a and i never even said this it, the budwig protocol was created by a germobiophysicist biophysicist named joanna budwig who mm-hmm. was a practicing doctor in the 1940s that experimented on these uh high oxygen fats that are in that cottage cheese flaxseed yeah. you do make sure but anyway just adding that in here
1: <laughs> well, but um
2: and then all that stuff i couldn't eat it when i had morning sickness so um Yeah. That was a little scary there, but I quickly was, it was just a few weeks that I was out actually some of the things, the green stuff. I was not, I was several, like two months. I could not touch the green, anything green. It would make me throw up, but the Budwig mixture that like kind of yogurt-y consistency, like settled my stomach. It's weird. Hmm. Uh, So yeah, I was able to keep with that. And then my supplements, I was able to keep with, um, I couldn't do the SEAC tea cause it's not recommended in pregnancy because it's like a detox tea. Sure. I'm sure, you know, you think, I think of this often of those women who are doing chemo while they're pregnant and because that's their only option, you know, they just, or they think it's their only option or that's all they're given and that they, or they have more severe cancer than I had and they have to do something. Um, like doing me drinking seac tea while I was pregnant would probably not be <laughs> that big of a deal. Yeah. Would I have done it if I if I knew it was making a difference? I probably would have, even though I was pregnant, because I was already taking it. It's not like it's like I just would start. But um, anyway, so those those times were scary, um, but it all seemed to go by really fast, and it really was like you know the reason I chose to do holistic cancer therapy in the first place was because I kept, I mentioned this in part one, like hitting that wall of like not being able to have children, like the fertility, the infertility from the treatment, the cancer treatment was a real possibility. They said, they told me 50 to 70%. Um, So, and that's why they had me freezing my, wanted to freeze my eggs and, and, you know, um, create embryos and put, freeze them and stuff like that, that I just was, didn't feel any peace about so yeah to have this pregnancy i was like yes we're gonna do this or i mean i i think my husband was a little just he was kind of just like we thought we weren't gonna have children for uh, probably five years Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we thought we were gonna go to europe and buy a house to get a dog and all that stuff (laughs) so it was probably more scary just to be pregnant you know four or five months after getting married (laughs) well Mm -hmm. no it was a a little more than that six seven months but um then it was to get pregnant while
0: i had cancer I joke, but you guys get one of them. <laughs> Absolutely. We were shocked
2: by it. We were shocked by it from multiple angles.
0: So. Yeah. How did that change so that pregnancy was so close? I mean, you were in the midst of everything. And then what about subsequent pregnancies? How did that change going into other pregnancies where you are further away yeah. from your your cancer diagnosis or even yeah. you were past that 5-year mark because I'm going to pop a little bubble here. Miss Courtney here has 6 children and so (laughs) that's
1: why she's so busy
0: yes as you got farther away from where you were cleared how did that change your prenatal kind of how you viewed yourself prenatal in that prenatal time frame and things that you implemented in that time frame
2: yeah so i just we after our first was born we knew we wanted to have have some time between her you know we were not playing she was not a she was a surprise a blessing a a, a you know spontaneous blessing <laughs> that we were not expecting at the time and so we just knew that we i knew that i wanted to give myself several years of just still saying hardcore on my cancer protocol sure. before we had any more children and like really and even after every pregnancy since then just giving myself like really focusing on my nutrition and doing some detox and uh, doing like a juicing 30 day juicing challenge or whatever it is, these little things that I've done along the line to re restore my body or of what it was depleted from while I was pregnant. And so we actually, um, got pregnant again, um, two years after a little less than two years after my daughter was born, we found out we were really fertile <laughs> and that like, even we, we learned that even like staying out of the window of what would be fertile windows with natural family planning, that we needed to be even more cautious because, um, our second pregnancy did, uh, ended up being a blight blighted ovum, uh, which is a different kind of miscarriage and that the baby never grows. It's just, but the sac grows. And, um, and so that was, uh, way outside of my fertile window. I got pregnant with that baby. So I, you know, I was tracking my um, fertility signs and everything. It's fun to be able to talk about this on this podcast. Cause I never talk about it on the cancer yeah. podcast, you know? pregnancy so much. I So much I've gone through with pregnancy. Um, and then after that pregnancy, ended up, I, that took six months to naturally miscarry. And we had a supportive doctor here in Atlanta who let me do that because most of the time they'll DNC you a yeah. little bit like, you know, but he said, watch for signs of infection. And I did. And it was from July until I brought pre- pregnant in June. And then I miscarried on Christmas day,
1: wow. Christmas night,
2: Aww. like right after we all went to bed. And it was really um, fast and complete. And I didn't bleed a ton because I had let it run. It, it almost like... Um, I hope this is like not a trigger for people, but it, it just, it encapsulated itself. And it was, it was a very complete miscarriage. Whereas like I've had other, I've had other miscarriages where it was a much more traumatic, um, mm-hmm. because it was so, it was such an event, a bloody event, you know, but, um, anyway, I, after three and a half years after our daughter was born, we had our second daughter. And, um, as far as, as far as my methods of delivery my first daughter was um she was 10 days overdue and i mentioned this in our last in part 1 and um i mean meconium and then am- amniotic fluid any other practice would have i would have been c-sectioned easily mm-hmm. but they let me labor for 40 49 hours Oof. really from the point, from the point that my water broke oh girl to when 40 from the point my water broke And so, and you know what, a lot of that, and, and, you know, I never had a baby before. So I was thinking, oh, these contractions, oh, it's a little uncomfortable. Oh, you know, having to breathe through them. I'm like, I could have slept through those contractions now that I've had six babies. I would have been like, I mean, who knows? You you can't remember pain and, and, you know, you don't remember how it really felt, but it kept me up for 49 hours. It was a rough Time, you know, being awake and 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 uncomfortable, anywhere from uncomfortable to in deep, deep transition for forty nine hours, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I ended up having her in the hospital, unmedicated, um, and hemorrhaging horribly in that pregnancy. Um so that was a little scary and and as far as the cancer goes I did have to sign papers saying like if any my cancer were to cause any complications or something like I would not hold them liable or right. some, stuff like that like the hospital or like I was aware I was doing this and hadn't treated my cancer or something like that something weird I even had an OBGYN earlier I've I've told the story a few times who we went to we were ready to go to the appointment showed up and everything and sat in the waiting room for like an hour and a half and they never called us in and finally after all these patients went in at the end of the day he uh, his nurse called me back and he talked to me in the hallway and told me I emailed you um I emailed you yesterday to tell you that I can't take you as a patient because you of because of your refusal to treat your cancer and um <laughs> that was that was heartbreak i mean i sobbed i broke out into like ugly tears sobbing like a like ugly tears like sobbing and can't breathe tears right in front of this guy because mm. i was so excited i was eight weeks pregnant sick as a dog excited to see the baby anyway i'm going back but this is like my first experience if we're talking pregnancy that i had with the cancer and the pregnancy and as far as like people not being supportive and he was strictly he told us to protect himself like he had had patients in the past that have had cancer and were pregnant and didn't make it and um and he just wanted to protect himself. So
0: which is like yeah, okay, I get it there's a liability thing, but at the end of the day doctors they they make an oath to do no harm. And so in that moment, how are you not doing harm by declining a patient care? I have never understood that. It's the hippocratic think- oath, not the hypocrite oath. Right. Right. <laughs>
2: And one little, well, he was, big he was, I guess he knew his limitations and I have mad respect for that. Now as a mom of six, like I, I know my capacity and my limits and maybe you just don't know what people have going on in their life. So I'm like, hmm. well, it worked out It yeah. was not meant to be. and I ended up being, I ended up going with a midwife because of him saying no. And sure then I ended up having, it. I probably would have ended up with a C-section with him. Yeah. So with, with the way that my birth ended up going. Um, so anyway, fast forward, I was talking about my second, uh, the second birth, um, couldn't have gone any different. Perfect. Like eight hours. I barely remember being in like pain. I mean, I know I was, I remember I was being in labor, but it was my favorite birth. We didn't know what we were having as well. It was a surprise. So that was like my only birth that I didn't know. Yeah. And, um, we had, our, we had, um, our first at North Fulton, uh, medical center here. Well, it was North Fulton hospital, I guess here in Atlanta. Um, and then our second was born out at Atlanta medical center, which no longer delivers babies. I don't think it even exists anymore. I think it closed down. Um, but she was supposed to be a water birth and we got there and there were no, um, there was no hot water. Oh. <laughs> they had like no hot water. Ooh. So, um, Anyway, I don't know if you guys want me to get into these details, but
0: uh, what? Tell me (laughs) your story. Yeah, it's completely your story. I, I just, I'm curious just about like the progression, and like you have such a strong background before this in terms of treating yourself holistically, that I'm just so curious in the progression, like moving forward, how that changed your experience in your in your pregnancies like how did it shape it did you go into your pregnancies knowing what you wanted to do what you didn't want to do what you know protecting your health in certain ways like i'm just yeah i'm so curious about how that progressed from baby number 1 to baby number 6
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i just think i went through each of them praying that like i could just keep interventions just away from me, as long as I was like, as long as just like with the cancer, as long as I was monitoring carefully, right. There were certain pregnancies that I had to do, maybe take an herb for something or monitor. Like one, one of my pregnancies, I had my, like I was, my blood sugar was a little high, which was like, I'd never had that happen before Mm -hmm. and how to get that down without being declared gestational diabetes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I think I just ate well and tried to get my plants in. And, and then I, after my first daughter and I, I had hemorrhaged very badly and almost had to have a blood transfusion, realized that my iron levels probably needed, you know, it was probably cause I was, wasn't eating any red meat. I wasn't eating mm-hmm. any, barely any iron at all. Like I was eating mostly plants. Like maybe that was something I needed to work on later in my other pregnancies. And I started taking like uh, organ beef organ capsules and Uh, chlorophyll and um there's so much like postpartum stuff i learned because i my struggle wasn't so much in pregnancy as it was postpartum like mental my mental health and Mm -hmm. i never had guessed that would have been a thing you know Mm -hmm. um but having to so everything every challenge i've i've been hit with um, since the cancer I've learned, I've had to learn how to heal holistically because that was, that was my preferred method of how to, how to help my body. Right. And so that's always, sometimes it's been a, a, str- a point of stress because I'm like, where do I get this information? Who do I listen to? And especially goodness after the Google medic update, what we, we call in the blog world, we call <laughs> the Google medic update in 2018. You can't find anything on Google anymore. You used to be able to Google, you know, uh, natural remedies for, you know, whatever, oh, yeah. you know, uh, low iron. And now you get the same 16 websites that are all curated from the, like the AI that generates all the same thing. And it's difficult to find um, a blog post. So I like, just having to navigate that, but now we, that's like, that's why networks like people, actual people, like you had to be connected to actual people and ask every, every mm-hmm. good piece of advice I've ever gotten um, whenever. And I believe cause it's because God provides it is from somebody who either I think of or my husband thinks of, oh, you should call this person. What was it? Something I'm looking at my husband. He's over there working. Um, There's something that I struggled with. Um, this last pregnancy, he's like, you need to call Susie. And I'm like, I would never have thought to call Susie because she didn't have natural births. And she only had two kids. And it was in like the 80s and 90s. Like, what, how's she going to help me? And I called her and she knew she knew exactly what I needed. So like just being connected to yeah. um,
0: your people so they can
2: help you with these little things that pop up so yeah. you're not panicking when you're not feeling good. I and mean, right? even Whatever when
0: you know like the answer, sometimes you just need to be reminded. Like I know for yeah. myself, some I, I like can I tell know. yeah, I can tell you what to do all day. But when it comes to myself, like I'll go to one of my friends and she's like, Why don't you just do this? And it's like the simplest thing or the simplest oh. supplement. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah. you're right. Like that's exactly I, what I need. I, I, I,
2: I tell people this all day, but sometimes you need someone to tell you. Yeah.
0: you know? <laughs> was there anything you know you mentioned before that you were on so many supplements when it came to Mm. treating i'm going to say treating cancer holistically was there anything that you had as a staple throughout your pregnancy that you kept on taking for the fact of the cancer aspect
2: yes so like i took every i took all of my supplements they were all fine they were all fine to take Um, in the same amounts I was taking them, except for the only thing I switched out was my vitamins had folic acid and and they were, it was a great set of vitamins. Um, it was Dr. David Williams, uh, like multi packs that they're just, they're really, they're pretty affordable for what they are and for how much you get, um, and the quality of them. It's just, they're a reasonable supplement. Um, but they had folic acid. (laughs) So I just, I stopped taking those and I switched over to like a garden of life prenatal or something that had folate. Folate, yeah. Um,
0: and then- so why do we want to well, avoid folic acid? Folic acid is basically the synthetic version of folate. So okay. folate is the the most bioavailable form that a lot more people genetically can break down and absorb versus folic acid.
1: And folate does what in pregnancy? It
0: is the most important vitamin for developing the baby neurologically. Mm-hmm. Very good. <laughs> yeah. no, I I I'm not telling you very click.
2: good. I, I, very good that you shared that. <laughs> yeah.
0: but, but I mean, well. But I mean, also with women in general, yeah. not even, I mean, for the baby, yes, like neural tube defects are, that's the number one thing that it will cause if it's deficient in pregnancy. But for women, you can have extreme fatigue and like just be blah all the time and insomnia and joint pain just from that folate being low also.
1: Good to know the more you know. Like super, super short, short
0: show. Stop it.
1: <laughs>
0: Anyways. <laughs> um, so then okay, that that's I love that you shared that because I think so many people get fearful of taking natural supplements during you know, pregnancy. And I'm not, but a lot of people are because you're right. Like nowadays, when you Google something. All it says is, you know, either ask your healthcare provider, and either they don't have a healthcare provider to ask that is knowledgeable on this stuff, or it says not recommended. And ninety-nine percent of the time, it says not recommended because it's a conventional world in which it's quote not studied. But you go to more of the alternative world, and there are tons of you know studies that that say that this thing is safe during during pregnancy. So I love that you were encouraged to continue and not fearful to continue and just educated whatever through communities or through yourself or research that you did to empower yourself to continue what you needed to during those pregnancies. It's also
2: like that you'll find more experiential information on the, like more like practical self experiential information. Like this is what I've seen work for my patients versus like, this is what's been studied. It's just so like, robotic. (laughs) But um, I wanted to talk about from like my first pregnancy being or my first delivery being so difficult um, in like hemorrhaging and all that to like the contrast to like the perfect delivery of like my second baby to encourage moms, anyone who's listening, your births can be totally different. My third birth was at home after having a successful second birth and medicated second birth in the hospital. Um, My third birth was at home in the water and I actually hated a water birth, which is funny. I wanted it I wanted it so badly for the second and when the water heaters were down or whatever and I had to push on the bed, you know, like I did my first laying down, you know, on the bed. I also found out that funny enough, my babies you always hear like, Oh, laying down, it's the most worst horrible way to give birth. My babies like to be born wow. when I'm laying on my back. And i and my and I was we have the same midwife, right? Debbie said it's probably just the way that your pelvis exactly. is like the baby can the gravity helps them get underneath that pelvic bone. And, but um, yeah, like that's something we learned because um, the third birth really, I tore for the first time I had never tore and in, in the water with the optimal position, mm-hmm. I tore and I had, and it was like, it was a fast and furious birth five hours. So my birth went from 49 to eight to five, you wow. know, but all my babies still were overdue by at least a couple of days. Uh, they got progressively less overdue, <laughs> like for 10 days overdue, four days overdue, three days overdue. My fourth baby, we didn't have until um, a couple, uh, we took a four-year break between, uh, we had another miscarriage. Uh, th- that was the one I was mentioning was a little more like we ended up in the emergency room kind of mm. thing, like a little, a little scarier and the same situation with the blighted ovum. Uh Oh, it glitched. It did. did you see that? Yeah. Okay. Making sure. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so we waited four years, um, swore I'd never have another child. I had pretty, pretty severe postpartum depression, which we won't, we don't, I, I don't know if we had time we probably don't to maybe another uh, episode, but, um, so we did wait four years to have um, another baby as I sorted through sort of what it was like to be a mother of three. That was what was challenging for me being a mother of three. We're also trying to like do all the things with my blog. And we started a nonprofit healing strong. I mentioned it before and wanting to do all these things, but yet like, wait, oh, I'm a mother. I can't just Mm -hmm. do whatever I want. I really had to learn that energy was a thing and I didn't have infinite amounts of it. And Mm -hmm. for me doing all the things created burnout, anxiety, and then eventually depression, you know? depression from wow chronic anxiety like that's a huge season of my life that transformed me um I don't talk about it much because I I don't know I just I don't know if I've completely even wrapped my mind around it to be able to voice I probably need to go on a podcast and talk about it to really talk it through of what exactly how I got through that and what I see on the other side of that Mm -hmm. and how I've changed and what it taught me but um we, we waited four uh, years and then we had number, our fourth daughter who was also born at home. And, um, and then two years later, we had our first son. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It was so crazy. <laughs> um, but I see now that that four-year gap where I wrestled with how to cope and how to learn how to cope with anxiety depression overwhelm burnout motherhood how to be a mother and a biblical mother Mm -hmm. that you just can't phone things in. you have to be present for your children you you know like learning that in those that four-year break um taught me um uh, uh, like taught me so that I could handle the next three because yeah. we ended up having another baby ten months ago, which is the baby that you actually—that's where I met you. You came to our house after the home birth to be the home visit pediatrician, yes. and Cece was here, and that's how I met her. Um, for number six, and so um, yeah, so we have really have like so we have like two sets it's
0: of three. Okay. We have a
2: big three and our little three with a four-year gap in the middle, and, you- and I and that's actually.
0: Do you feel yeah. like you've, cause for me, it's such like, I can relate so much to that and we can go in depth as in depth as you're comfortable with, but I know, I mean, I had significant postpartum depression with Ava and I really attribute it to having to have the C-section and not being able to have bond, like bonded with her right away. And also kind of my age and I didn't do anything to repair, you know, I got pregnant at 24, was delivered at 25. Um, but I think the other part of it is the balance. And I can so relate to that with three. There's Mm -hmm. something about three kids that I think it's way more challenging than like four. I'm like, by this point, I'm like, four, you know, we got this. I feel way more imbalanced. But with three, I just think something comes with that where I experienced that as well. And really throughout almost this pregnancy too, which is why I think it triggered some things that I was going through also early in the pregnancy, is that like, That balance of work and the discovery doc and three kids and like, am Mm -hmm. I taking away time from my children by doing this over here? And I can't be a biblical mom if I'm not present and I'm choosing Mm -hmm. to be here in front of you, like doing this podcast with you guys. And that's so real, no matter what you're dealing with as a mom. Do you feel like now you have created a better balance or... A more consistent balance, even though you have more children?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big t- oh, big time. But it had to, I had, oh, CC, it was so hard. I just had mm. to, God just kept saying, it's gotta go. It's yeah. gotta go. Nope. That too. It's gotta go. I had to get, I mean, everything, everything had to go in order for me to truly get to the point where I was like, um, I just because because my anxiety levels, because my cortisol, everything was just off. Because I was just thinking I could do it all, and then fearing if I don't do it, what's going to happen? If I don't stay up with my blog, I'm going to become obsolete. All this fear. If I don't, um, if I don't, you know, start healing strong and write this guy, you know, write the participant guide or whatever it was, I'm going to, um, I'm going. People are going to die. <laughs> like these are the kind yeah. of things I was. It was so when I had one kid, when I had two kids, I was able to like at nap time, I could you know do my thing or whatever. When I had three, I just I'm like, and it was honestly a little depressing for me at times to think because of my worldview at the time, I'm just a mom. If I'm not, if I'm not a blogger, if I'm not an influencer, if I'm not this or that, I'm just a mom, Mm. and that belief was like. I wasn't enough, like my, my performance, uh, feeling like I was special if I achieved was, um, and if I helped, like I got that achiever helper thing going on where I want to help. I want to achieve. I want to be, I want to be something. Um, but I realized that I brought these three children into the world and I'm their all, I'm, I'm the all, I'm that I'm their caretaker. Mm. Like with you, Prasici, I know your mom kind of comes in and like, is your partner in that? She and does. So you have you have that going on to where you can say, okay, when I do this particular thing, my mom's going to come in and, and like, you know, do yeah. her... Grandma thing and like you know be with the kids in that way, but I'm still their you know, but you're still their mom.
0: Yeah,
2: Uh, you're you're the mom, and they're honestly in where we are who they want. Our kids want us.
0: Like, what did you um, find yourself getting rid of? So you mentioned like the blog and the social media thing. Was that the biggest part of what you got rid of, or were there other things in your life that you got rid of too?
2: Well, there were things I added, and there were things (laughs) I had to take away. Like, um. First things that things that I real, I started realizing kind of on those really bad anxiety days where I felt like I literally at times, and this lasted when I say postpartum depression, I'm talking aggravated postpartum depression where it started, it was triggered postpartum more anxiety and where I felt like, I don't know if you've ever driven, um, your car is in like neutral and you got the gas pedal on and your engines like mm-hmm. revving and and, and and it's so like on but you're not going anywhere yeah. that's how my body felt like when I had that anxiety I I wanted to jump out of my skin because I felt so anxious and my brain could not think clearly and I was thinking fearful thoughts mm-hmm. crazy thoughts like intrusive thoughts but I wasn't doing anything I was either just like I was lying in bed or I was whatever and that continued because that really was, I don't think I would have had that if I didn't, I wasn't sitting there nursing my baby three days postpartum. Yes, feeling uncomfortable. Yes, feeling hormonal. Yes, it was February and it was dark and gloomy outside. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would have struggled with it as much if I also weren't thinking, well, I got to get back to that comment or that email, mm-hmm. or I, I want to get, I want to start writing that course I'm, I want to put out again or whatever it was. Like I wasn't able to shut my mind down um if I, if i don't you know it was a lot of like if i don't help this person who emailed me at the time i had like a, a like a you could drop a you could messaged me from my blog so like some of the practical ways after like a year and a half of struggling with this because when my daughter was 16 months i had a complete this is my third daughter mm-hmm. between three, number three and number four the four-year gap at 16 when she was 16 months it just progressively got worse to the point point. and you know with any progression of any mental problem or emotional or burnout or whatever it kind of progresses like this like you know it's like a it's like a slow boil right until until you get to the point where you can't handle it anymore and you blow (laughs) and that's i laugh it was not funny i couldn't sleep for six weeks i i I got a um i got a cancer score back i was obsessed i mentioned being obsessed with my i got to the um, point where i was like i have to buckle down on my um my nutritional stuff because if i don't um, do that, then my emotional stuff is like unhealthy. So I at least have to stay really strict with my nutrition and mm-hmm. like obsessing over that became something that if I couldn't, and then I would stress because I wasn't eating perfect enough. Like what if my cancer comes back and my, oh, I was just it's in such a health, unhealthy state of fear of um, if I don't, God won't. Like if I don't perfectly, then my cancer is going to come back. Or if I don't, if I don't keep up with my blog stuff, then I'm going to become obsolete and Google won't pick up on my whatever. And then more people won't see my post. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I, that I stressed over. So I don't know if this is relevant, but it was at the time because I was so passionate and I still am passionate about holistic cancer stuff, but I recognize, and I still get an unhealthy, Um, Every now and then I'll be like, "Ah, I'm spending a little too much time focusing on um, this part that's, you know, on my blog or on Instagram or whatever. Like, um, And I feel it like psychologically I get a a little weird, right? Mm -hmm. Like a little bit um, frazzled, irritated. It usually starts from me like being irritated, being moody, being short, um, you know. Now I will say now I, there's a lot of simple things you can do for me. The things that had to go, like being in contact with anybody directly had to go. So mm-hmm. I removed all my messaging, um, things that people could get in contact with me. I I created an auto reply for if any messages did come in from, cause I have an email list and I would email out like a little article once a month for like several, like for a year and a half or two years. Um, I had to stop that too. Mm-hmm. Like stop my email list stop my stop blogging, um very minimal um uh social media, like reading or writing on social media, uh, because reading also kind of would either trigger ideas or like I'm oh I gotta write something or it would like I would feel like I'm falling behind. I'm becoming obsolete and everybody else is doing what I know I can do way better. Or I you know, or I can just do it at all. I'm just feeling just feeling like I I need to be present and available for people. And yet I have these three little girls that are like, mommy, you're all I have. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we don't we don't have anybody else that we have around. Um and and yet I was like giving my first fruits every morning. I would get up early and I would do my my blog stuff. And then I I would kind of feel overstimulated from Mm -hmm. all cancer stuff it's heavy. And then I would go into the day and I would just kind of be like, all right, when's nap? When like I felt like I was getting taking care of my children, but I was all I could wait for was nap time. Cause then at nap time, I could go back to Yeah, I could get more done. And so everything had to go. And so over the course of like three or four years, I just everything, (laughs) even my blog, it's, it's even today, it's like totally outdated. Mm -hmm. I, I just stopped paying it any attention because it was like an idol for
0: me. It this was a- is so wild to hear because I can yeah. so deeply relate to this. So I deeply. know you can, like, so I know every deeply. person,
2: every mom that's trying to hustle out there on the internet and do their Instagram stuff. And you watch them, every one of them feels this because yeah. it's, it is very addicting to know that you can put out what you are already passionate about and yet grow a business or grow a consulting or whatever. And in your case, this is like your passion. This is what you went to school for. Like you have a practice and you really do help people get better. And um, so it's just hard to balance that with these little people that are like, you know, mom. Yeah. (laughs) But I do, I do think you can balance. You just have to, you have to recognize like when it, You'll just know. You'll know, and if your heart, if you're praying and you're saying, "God, just please make sure you're directing my steps," I find that I always, I, it's been hard to balance completely. I always go a little bit too much into it, and then I have to pull back mm-hmm. again. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I get, I get a little too involved in social media, or I, my, I, it's mainly for me ideas. Like, oh, I could create this, and then I could, you know, I could reach this many people and share this message with them, and. It's like, not right now. (laughs) Right. And
0: it's hard. Like I had to get over the guilt aspect of it because for me, it is kind of a double whammy. Like when, when I see patients in person, that patient comes to me because they need my help. They need me. And it's taken me a while to get to this point where I'm okay with saying that, hey, I need to prioritize my family and myself and I, I love my patients and I love my practice, but that is secondary, which is why I will only see patients three days a week. Does that, but it, it takes a lot to get to that point where you're okay with it. Because to me, you know, for years I was like, well, if I just work five days a week and I could see all these patients, I could help so many more patients in that week. And then they wouldn't have to wait, you know, six weeks to come back to see me. I could see them more frequently, but at what cost? At the cost of not being around my children. And I caught myself the same thing kind of on the social media front with the discovery doc. Mm-hmm. I go through this all the time with it. I'm kind of at it right now where, especially before I have this baby, where I'm like, I need to just stop because there's mm-hmm. too many things on my plate right now. And what's sacrificing mm-hmm. is the time I have with my kids. But mm-hmm. it's that it's so up and down and it's so hard because like you said we're so passionate about this stuff and we know by like getting this information out there it's not about me like i don't give i don't give a you know what if i had 4 followers or a million but it's about just getting those options out there and like people just you know be feeling empowered that i feel guilty when i do stop but it's like the, that that teeter totter is so stinking hard. So I I can just really relate to everything that you're saying. Well, even
2: when you're not physically doing it and working, your brain stays on, yes. and that's one of the more challenging things because yes. you're like, I have all these ideas. I have like a little notepad, like a little note thing on my phone, and I put them down. But I'm like, it's just like miles long because yes. <laughs> I don't have time to I don't have time to execute any of my ideas, but I I have them. Yeah, And I get, I get, I, I, and if I'm really honest, sometimes I get jealous of like either my husband or of men in general, especially men in my, in what I do. Cause there's, it just does seem to be that the men are the ones that are always getting, but I'm like, but this is my unique season and my unique role Mm -hmm. right now. Never have the season again.
1: Yeah.
2: and honestly i i don't know because i'm like as a mom of six i'm also going to be a grandmother of all these the, yes. the children six children of these six kids so like i'm always going to be needed right, right. so it's just going to be a matter of trusting that whatever i can give that god's going to do something with it and it's going to matter in the ways that it matters um for the people that it reaches yeah. and he can multiply anything right he can yeah. multiply my message and get it out to whatever, even though I only spent two days working or whatever, whatever it is as I get, you know, and, and I'm also learning that even though I'm more tired at night, I'd rather give a little bit of effort at night after the kids are in bed than in the morning before they yeah. get up. Because I just, I, I tend to turn my creative brain on and then it's hard to shut it off for them. Right. And, I, and I go back and forth. This is not
0: I do like, too. no, what I, to do. yeah. Some, yeah. I, Cause as we Some said earlier, That I was like I resonated with so much because I used to do this all the time and I really had to conscientiously move away from this. Was I would put the kids to bed quickly or I'd put the kids down for a nap quickly because I had a a mile long list of things that I need to get done for the discovery doc. Like my office is really great. Like I leave when I leave my office, I'm done with work, you know. But like I'll check in with Heidi or whatever. But it's the discovery doc stuff where I would be putting them down and be like rushing to my laptop to get it done or you know, rushing bedtime routine because I needed to go get stuff done. And I'm like, dude, no, like slow down. And then it kind of morphs into, well, now I should be spending this time with my husband and you know, then you get that part of it and it's just that balance. It's (laughs) tough. It's really, really tough.
2: Yeah. He tends to work Also, It's where we both, you know, he has to work too. I mean, this is, this economy is nuts. You gotta, you know, people have, people have to work keep up. We have to work like 30% more to keep up with the 30% of prices that have yeah. gone up. But um, yeah, so he'll often like, you know, sit with his laptop and I'll have mine at night or whatever. And we can run things by each other. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's fun that I'm doing, is is kind of going back because like, it's fun to be creative and it's fun to use your, you know, when you have good ideas, you want to share them with people. So I've been, I've written a smoothie book for large families. Um, It has 55 recipes, um, smoothie recipes for large families. So you can make them in like a big blender. Because most smoothie books or smoothie recipes online, it's like, they're not designed to be like a meal replacement for smoothies. So this book I have, it's taken me a year and a half (laughs) to get to the point I'm at now. But just plugging away at it while I've been in the kitchen, and like, you know, having the kids try the recipes, like involving them mm-hmm. in what I'm doing. Like yeah. that well, that's one idea to what I've done that has worked. I'm like, this works. I can do this. Um, and then at night, of course, you know, then I can format the recipe or or whatever. Yeah.
0: Um, so I, but, I uh, want to respect your time. I know we, we both yeah, were yeah, like, yeah. we had to go 30 minutes ago. But is there kind of just wrapping up then, because I know we could talk forever and we'll love to have you on.
1: You're definitely on the
0: comeback list. Yes. But is there like throughout just your, you have such a unique journey throughout your unique journey. What to any other woman out there, even mom or not, just leave us with kind of your top tip for how you choose to lead your life for that woman out there that might be struggling either with their health or kids or whatever it might be. And then also give us all the details on where our community can find you. Yeah.
2: I, I would say, like, know your principles, know what you believe at your core and that, you know, it's the way you want to live your life and raise your family. But don't be afraid to say, um, it's, it's OK if I wasn't perfect this time. It's OK. Like, live in a sense of grace, like constant grace for yourself. I have run into a lot of moms in the holistic community that are just so rigid and, yeah. and just tight. And that's not healthy either. That's almost more harmful than, than, because it comes from a place of fear, like the whole, if I don't, God won't um, mentality. So I think that's just the most important thing. Like know your principles, know what, know what, there's certain things that are like, a, like, a, what do you call it when it's like a, a no-go or a, like a, not you're not something you're not, Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm not negotiating on this. This is what I'm sticking to. But then there are other things that are more flexible. So I'd say just know that have lots of grace for yourself. Enjoy your children. If you have if you're, you know, a mother um, and, and be silly with them. Sometimes have eat something naughty with them and enjoy it. You know, like, yeah, This, this I, I wish. I, yeah, I could have listened to my, to my own advice, uh, you know, five years ago and probably have avoided um, some, you know, some problems that were caused by feeling like um, if if I, uh, you know, like that I, that I didn't have the flexibility in, in yeah. my choices. So.
0: Well, I love that. Thank you for sharing all of the, yeah. these very, very intimate and personal details about your life. I just think that you are such a light and you throughout this i'm just such a firm believer that everybody's journey is for a reason right and here Mm -hmm. you are balancing being a mom of six but also spreading that light for you know all these other people and and building all these amazing communities for cancer you know survivors but also people who are going through cancer currently and that is just it's so invaluable so thank you for what you're doing and for what you're sharing um you're Um, welcome guys and just leave us with where our, our community can get in contact with you.
2: Yeah, just anti cancer mom on Instagram and anti cancer mom.com or Courtney at anti cancer mom.com. Courtney without a U, although I think I have the email address with the U as well because. That was smart. It happens. It happens. The U happens.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> you happen.
0: Ah, hey well on that note thank you so much Courtney again for joining us we are so excited to share this um, with anybody who who is going to listen and we will absolutely have you on again but until next time let's let's discover discover together
1: we hope you've enjoyed this journey of exploration and learning as much as we have before you go we have a special request for you our beloved discoverers We'd be thrilled if you could show your support in a few easy steps. Step one, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. Don't forget to ring that notification bell so you never miss a moment of discovery. Step two, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us and helps others discover our podcast too. Step three, Whether you're on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform, please share the discovery doc podcast with your friends, family, and social networks. It's the best way to spread the joy of discovery. And finally, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at the discovery doc. Stay connected with us for updates, behind the scenes content, and so much more. Plus, for exclusive content and additional resources, be sure to check out our website at www.thediscoverydoc.com. And while you're there, if you have a burning question or a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, simply let us know. Thank you, Discoverers, for being part of our incredible journey. Until next time, let's discover together. The content provided in this podcast provides general information and discussions on various topics related to health, wellness, and medical advancements. However, it is essential to understand that the content provided in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The hosts, guests, and contributors are individuals sharing their personal experiences, opinions, and knowledge in their respective fields. While they strive to provide accurate, up-to-date information, medical knowledge is constantly evolving and the information presented in this podcast may not always reflect the most current research and medical guidelines. It is crucial to consult with a qualified healthcare professional or medical expert for specific medical concerns. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking medical treatment based on the information presented in this podcast. The Discovery Doc podcast encourages listeners to use their own judgment and discretion while implementing any suggestions, recommendations, or lifestyle changes discussed in this episode. Each individual's medical situation is unique and may work for one, may not be suitable or safe for another. The podcast hosts, guests, and contributors are not liable for any direct, indirect, consequential, or incidental damages or harm that may arise from listening or acting upon the information provided in this podcast. Listeners are responsible for their own health decisions and should exercise caution and seek professional guidance when necessary. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that you have read, understood, and agreed to this medical disclaimer. If you have any questions or concerns about this medical disclaimer, please consult a qualified healthcare professional.